Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the 90s Galore podcast. I'm your host, Andy Zaldivar, and I'm back to go on a journey with you back to the glorious day decade that we know as the 90s. We have a special show in store for you tonight. Again, I'd like to welcome all of the listeners abroad in Jamaica, in Brazil, France, Germany, India, Mexico, Peru. You guys are awesome for being here listening in from thousands of miles away i'm honored to have you and i just want to mention before we get started that if you not if you have not subscribed to our podcast please do so on any of the platforms that we are available google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, radio public just to name a few this is our ninth episode ladies and gentlemen wow nine episodes it's truly an honor to steer this ship so to speak as we profile these great artists and uh, so the last few weeks we featured Mary J. Blige in the R&B realm. Then we did uh, Outcast from the hip hop genre. Now we come back to the alternative rock scene with this band from Ireland. You know, I was thinking about many of the 90s artists that we have yet to get to. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, do we have a lot in store for you? Like they say, there's more where that came from. So stay tuned as we will get to those artists in the coming weeks. Not only that, we will be debuting a new feature as part of the 90s Galore podcast to keep you entertained. So you'll want to be looking out for that as well. Now, let's get to this episode's featured artist. Like I mentioned earlier, they hail from Ireland, Limerick, Ireland to be exact. They're made up of four individuals. Ladies and gentlemen, the Cranberries, originally called the Cranberry Sawas, were formed in 1989 by lead singer Niall Quinn, guitarist Noel Hogan, bassist Mike Hogan. Yes, they are related. They are brothers. And last but not least, Fergal Lawler on the drums. Quinn was soon replaced by Dolores O'Riordan as the lead singer, but nonetheless, he gets credit for being one of the founding members. So apparently, after Quinn left the band, the remaining... uh, excuse me the remaining members put out an ad in the paper for a female and Dolores responded she provided lyrics for some demos and they asked her to come back upon returning she had rough drafts for the song linger and she subsequently was hired they proceeded to record a three song EP titled nothing left at all which sold are you ready for this 300 copies they had recorded this EP at Zurich Records. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And the owner of Zurich, that's X-E-R-I-C, by the way, a lad by the name of Pierce Gilmore becomes their manager and subsequently provides the group with more studio time to record another demo, which he also produced. The demo contained early renditions of the song Linger and Dreams and were sent to record, excuse me, to record companies throughout the UK. Not surprisingly, the demo becomes extremely extremely popular and they end up signing with Island Records and went back into the studio to record another four-track EP called Uncertain. Gilmore produced and it sells 5,000 copies. This EP is significant in the Cranberries' history because apparently the EP receives poor reviews leading to tensions between the band and Gilmore. Pierce Gilmore was fired as they embarked on their recording sessions for their debut album with Island Records. So, they hire a new manager and a new producer. 
producer, excuse me, Jeff Travis and Stephen Street, respectively. Stephen Street, you may be familiar with his work with the British rock group The Smiths, one of my all-time favorite bands, by the way. So in March of 1992, they head back into the studio in Dublin, Ireland to record their debut album. And so everybody else is doing it. So Why Can't We was released on March 1st, 1993 on Island Records. It peaks at number one on the Irish Albums Chart and the UK Albums Chart, and at number 18 on the US Billboard 200 Chart, and at number four on the US Billboard Heat Seekers Album Chart. It's important to know that this album did not initially gain much attention. Neither, neither did the first couple singles. It wasn't until they went on tour with the band Suede that caught the attention of MTV and put their videos in regular rotation. So everybody else is doing it, so why can't we? Ends up attaining multi-platinum certification by the RIAA for selling 5 million plus copies in the United States, as well as earning double platinum certification by the BPI or British Phonographic Industry, which is the UK's equivalent of the RIAA for selling 6 million plus copies excuse me 600,000 plus copies and obviously the BPI quantifies record sales differently than the RIAA case in point 600,000 copies in the USA would net you gold certification not platinum like the BPI anyways needless to say the album did well commercially commercially the album spawns two singles Dreams and Linger the debut single, Dreams, was released on September 29, 1992 and was produced by Stephen Street and written by Dolores O'Riordan. It peaks at number 42 on the US Billboard Hot 100 and at number 27 on the UK Singles Chart. The backing vocals are sung by Mike Mahoney, who is an ex-boyfriend of Dolores O'Riordan. And this song really put the Cranberries on the map here in the United States. It gave them a lot of exposure, and I remember it receiving considerable amount of radio play. The second single that was released was Linger, and that was on February 23, 1993. So that's interesting to note that both singles were released prior to the actual album being released. Linger peaks at number third, excuse me, at number three on the IRMA chart, which is, by the way, the Irish Recorded Music Association, number 8 on the US Billboard Hot 100, and at number 14 on the UK Singles Chart. It becomes their first bona fide hit, attaining gold certification by the RIAA. O'Riordan stated in a 1999 documentary that the song was originally written by the band's original lead singer, Niall Quinn, but as soon as she was hired on, she changed the lyrics. And she also mentioned that the song is about her first serious kiss with a soldier that she fell in love with. Linger has appeared in movies and television shows, as well as been covered by several musicians. This leads us to their sophomore effort, which was No Need to Argue, released on October 3rd, 1994, just before my 18th birthday. Whew, getting old. The album is once again produced by Stephen Street and peaks at number 6 on the US Billboard 200, number 2 on the UK Albums Chart, and number 1 on a slew of other European charts. No Need to Argue is certified platinum by the Rec Recording 
Industry Association of America for selling over 7 million copies. Yeah, this album was immensely popular, due in part because of the single Zombie, which we'll get to here in just a moment. And it's actually sold over 17 million copies worldwide to date. It's also the Cranberries' best-selling album. Critically, Guitar World placed the album at number 41 on their 50 iconic albums that defined 1994 list. However, Rolling Stone magazine gave No Need to Argue 2.5 stars out of 5. I think if you listen to this album, you'll be pleased, so you be the judge here. This album sees four singles, the first being Zombie. Zombie is released on September 1994, written by Dolores and produced by Stephen Street. The song is actually a protest song of the 1993 bombing in Warrington, Ireland, and in memory of two victims that perished as a result of that bombing. And apparently Dolores tore apart a check for $1 million offered by the record company in an attempt to keep the band from working on the song. To no avail, they continued to work on on it. Former manager Alan Kovac stated that Island Records asserted that they not released the quote, politically urgent, unquote, song. The band stood their ground and obviously released the song. It won best song at the 1995 MTV Europe Music Awards. Immensely popular in the United States that year, it peaks at number one on the U.S. Billboard Alternative Songs chart, number three in Ireland, and number 14 on the U.K. Singles chart. Yeah, this song is so recognizable. I mean, we used to sing that song thinking we were cool back in high school. And I bet if you're thinking you haven't heard it, go look it up. I bet you'll discover that you have. By the way, Zombie went gold in the United States. So after the success of Zombie, they released the song, Ode to My Family, which is one of my all-time favorite Cranberry songs, by the way. On November 21st, 1994, they release it. It peaked at number 16 in Ireland, but number one in Iceland. Interesting. In the United States, it peaked at number 11 on the Billboard Hot Modern Rock Tracks chart. By this time, it was apparent that the Cranberries had established themselves as a powerhouse in the music industry. They had solidified their unique sound, and they definitely came into their own right around this time. The third single release from No Need to Argue was I Can't Be With You, except in North America, where it was released as the fourth single, not the third. I don't know why they did that. Commercially, it was not as successful as the preceding singles. It peaked at the highest at number 21 in Ireland. Finally, the single Ridiculous Thoughts was released on July 31st, 1995, peaking at number 14 on the U.S. Modern Rock Tracks chart. Again, produced by Stephen Street. It was written by Dolores and lead singer Noel Hogan. Co-written, I should say. So... I remember when I was on a six-month overseas deployment in the Navy to the South China Sea and the Persian Gulf, and upon returning stateside, we stopped in Hawaii for a few days. I think it was six days or something like that, and I was staying in a hotel. The first morning that I was there, I turned on the television, 
and the video for the song Salvation was on. And I remember just knowing immediately who it was. Dolores' voice, so distinct to me at that point. But that was my first time hearing any part of the Cranberries' third album titled To the Faithful Departed. Released on April 30th, 1996, and recorded in Dublin, Ireland, and Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. It was dedicated to the memory of Denny Cordell, who signed them to Island Records, also in memory of Dolores' grandfather, Joe. It peaks at number four on the US Billboard 200, number one on the Australian Albums Chart, and number two on the UK Albums Chart, as well as attaining multi-platinum certification in the United States. They went in another direction with production, having worked with Bruce Fairbairn instead of Stephen Street for the first time. And also for the first time, the Cranberries got a production credit. To promote this album, the Cranberries made numerous television show appearances, including an MTV Unplugged show and a spot on the David Letterman show in the United States, and also went on tour called the Free to Decide Tour, which entailed a European leg and a North American leg. The aforementioned single, Salvation, was the first single released on April 6, 1996 and peaked at number one on the US Billboard Rock Tracks chart. This song's theme was about drug abuse and staying away from anything that could totally control you, as Dolores stated in an interview about the song. And Salvation was succeeded by the single Free to Decide, released on August 20, I'm sorry, 25th, 1996, written by Dolores once again. It achieved the most success in Canada, where it peaked at number two on the Canada Rock Alternative Chart. In the US, it peaked at number 22 on the Billboard Hot 100, and in the UK at number 33. Following Free to Decide was a single, When You're Gone, released on November 12, 1996. It peaked at number 22 on the US Billboard Hot 100 and at number 21 in Ireland. And sadly, I think it's important to mention that this song was played at Dolores' funeral on January 23, 2018. And I'll talk about that a little bit here shortly. Finally, the song Hollywood was released on May 1st, 1997. There were plans to record a video for Hollywood, but were scrapped when the band had to cancel the remaining portion of their aforementioned Free to Decide tour. And this brings us to our final album for the Cranberries of the 90s called Bury the Hatchet, released on April 19, 1999. Wow, 20 years ago. That's just wild when you really ponder it. Wow, 20 years So, Bury the Hatchet had been certified gold by June, only two months after its release. And this was the first album they released after they took a hiatus in 1996. Dolores had had her first child, Taylor, during the hiatus. The album peaked at number 13 on the US Billboard 200, and at number 7 on the UK Albums Chart, and at number 1 on the Canadian Albums Chart. Critically, Rolling Stone gave it three stars. It was produced by a gentleman by the name of Benedict Fenner. The first release, excuse me, the first single released was Promises, 
released on March 10th, 1999, Promises would be the only single from Bury the Hatchet to chart in the U.S., peaking at number 74 on the Billboard Hot 100 Airplay, doing much better on the U.K. singles chart at number 13, and in Spain, it reached number one. The song deals with the topic of divorce, something I'm familiar with because of my parents being divorced, and by the way, it was written by none other than Dolores O'Riordan. Promises was succeeded by the release of Animal Instinct on July 5th, 1999, co-written by Dolores and Noel Hogan. Animal Instinct became the Cranberries' first single to miss the UK Top 40 chart. Well, the song deals with motherhood and finally released on September 20th, 1999, the single Just My Imagination was released again, co-written by Reardon and Hogan. They actually performed this song as on one of the episodes of the television show Charmed, which was very popular on American television in the late 90s. So the, Gra- the Cranberries, ladies and gentlemen, would go on to release four more studio albums after the year 2000. And on January 15th, 2018, like I just mentioned a little bit earlier, Dolores O'Riordan tragically passed away of an accidental drowning in her hotel room's bathtub. Apparently, she had suffered from alcohol poisoning and had become unconscious. Just terrible. The band was actually in progress on an album when she died, and they decided to go forward and complete the album after her death. That album, coincidentally, is due to be released in three days from now, on April 26, 2019. That's kind of kind of cool, and by the way, it's a complete coincidence that we're doing this episode of the 90s Galore podcast just before the release of that album. Rest in peace, Dolores. The album will be titled In the End, and Noel Hogan has stated that this is it for the Cranberries because no one wants to do this anymore without Dolores. I believe that's appropriate as a nod to Dolores. Definitely. The Cranberries have had a great run, lots of success, sold millions of albums, and created their own unique sound. Please, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard any of their music, go check it out as soon as possible. You will not be disappointed. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it tonight for the Cranberries and this edition of the 90s Galore podcast. And do not forget about the forthcoming debut of our new feature for 90s Galore. I will be doing a teaser in the coming weeks, so be on the lookout for that. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure profiling the Cranberries excuse me, and hosting this edition of 90s Galore podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Zaldivar, so take it easy.